All right, we're in a series uh, on the Holy Spirit where we looked at Holy Spirit above, God, divine, holy, and all those teachings are online. And now we're pressing into what it means to look at the Holy Spirit who Jesus said would live, would live within. And last week, if you were here, if you missed it, you could check it out online. Jesus gives this interesting analogy in the middle of a conversation about the Holy Spirit, about a vine and branches. And so let's just read the end of what we read last week, and we want to think more about it. Jesus said, I'm the vine, not Israel, it's him. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now the opposite. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So here's a tension we want to look at, and we're doing this during our community group uh, sessions. You got one of these community group discussion guides on the way in. Those watching online, you can go to our website and you can download it. We want to have a conversation about this because there is a real tension. I want to deal with it today and it will be worked out week after week. We'll spend all of these eight weeks looking at what we call the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruit is, we get it from Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you're the branch, and a branch will bear fruit. Now, we are connected to the vine, right? There's the vine, there's the branch that's attached. That makes sense. So God's at work, God's power works in us, God is doing things inside of us, God's working through us for the good of others. We get that. But then there's this interesting tension here, remained in me. Well, I thought I was attached. I Jesus, you are, you are in me and I am in you, but remain in me. I, so am I in, am I, am I out? How, how, do we, how do we wrestle with that? Remain in him, but we are in him. We're attached, but he says, stay. And maybe that doesn't seem like attention. Well, it actually is. And you're going to see that many people who try to follow Jesus lean in one direction or lean in the other. Here's the point. God wants to bear his life through your life, and that's the fruit. God wants to do things on the planet. He wants to do things here in real time, and he has invited us. This is a privilege, by the way. He's invited us to be a part of what he's doing. So it's not just God doing stuff, and we just spectate. No, we're to participate in the God things on this earth, and that's why he has attached us to the vine. The vine is the channel where all the life goes through, but the fruit shows up in the branches. The picture matters. The extension off of the vine, the branch, bears the fruit. You see the fruit. You don't see the life going through the vine, producing the fruit. So our lives are to be a reflection of what God is doing in the world and in and through you. So without the vine, there's no fruit. We get that. But the tension here is that we can live disconnected. Jesus says, remain, which means we may not. And what do we do with that? So what's the fruit that Jesus is talking about? We'll answer that in a few minutes because we're going to keep reading in John. He just he lets us 
know what the fruit is, but I want us to think about the tension. On one side, uh, God produces the life, and that is absolutely 100% true. So one way, if we lean in one direction, would be like, so what's my response? Well, let go and let God. Because God will do it. Get out of the way. Don't, don't interrupt what he's doing. I'm a branch. He just pushes his life through me. I'm just going I'm I'm, I'm to wait. I'm just going to let God be God, and, and, and God's going to do what God's going to do. That's, that's one way of looking at it. And there's another way of looking at it. So in this side, the, the danger would be I could be missing out on some things God wants to do because I'm just like, more passive in my approach. Then the other side is like Jesus said, remain in me. So I better, I better do this. I better do that. Janae said, sign up. I'm going to sign up twice. You know, I better read my Bible a lot. I better pray a lot of it. All of those are, are good things and necessary things because I want to remain in him because Jesus said I'm supposed to. And so now that all that's good. Now God is God and God is above, and God is going to do what he's going to do. But my response could be passive, too passive. The danger on the other side, and this is where the tension is, and depending on your church upbringing, you have probably been discipled, you've been taught, maybe with one of these tensions being emphasized. Just let God be God. He's going to do what he's going to do, which is right and good, but has some problems. The other side is like, Man, you better remain. You better do this. And if Jesus said, don't do it, you better not do it. And the tension there is if we're not careful, it's really about my activity and less about God doing his work through me. And then I'm always worried and wondering, man, am I in or am I out? Um, And so this is more passive and this is more active. So the question is, when we look at fruit bearing, because this matters, Jesus said, you're going to bear fruit, and it's going to demonstrate you're actually one of my disciples. So the fruit coming out of your life actually does matter. The question is, as we get into this community group discussion season, what does it look like? So let's start with the tension. Is it this? Is it that? And here I just want to, I want to suggest that, that Jesus, I think, is building a bit of tension on purpose because they both matter. They really both matter. Us recognizing who God is and allowing God to be God in our life and that he's the source of strength and power and it's not me. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But yet there is an invitation to participate in what God's doing and remain in in the vine and not detach myself from the life of God. Here's, Here's my point. God is active in our transformation. And we are called to be active in his transformation in us. And I want us to catch that. And that's why these discussions you're going to have in homes or wherever you meet really, really matter. Because the fruit matters in our life for the good of others. Now, if you've, you've been gone the last few weeks or you don't remember everything said on stage, shame on you. I don't remember. I actually have to review my own notes to know what I said. Jesus, when he says fruit, what is it about? It is about his empowering us to continue what he was doing. 
So when Jesus is defining fruit, he's just not talking about character development, although that's part of it. When Jesus is saying you're going to bear fruit in the context of John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, he is telling his disciples the fruit is what I've been doing, I'm now empowering you to do. So when we talk about fruit bearing over these next few weeks, it's in the mindset of are we in our lives living in such a way that we are actually continuing what Jesus is doing? And if not, how can I better remain so that he can do his work through me? If I'm cluttered, how can I get rid of the clutter? If I'm overly passive and just expecting things to happen because I'm a Christian, therefore it's just going to happen. And I'm not actively pursuing what does it mean to remain in the vine? We want to talk about these things. Okay, so let's now, with that tension in mind, and it's always going to be there. We want to get rid of one or get rid of the other, but no, both matter. Now let's look at what Jesus taught about fruit. John 15, and we'll continue in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. You already see the tension. Just want you to look at it. Just look at it in your Bible or on the screen. Father loved the Son. Son loves you. But he's saying, remain in it. God's at work, and yet we're to do something. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I want you to see it. We need to be active. Jesus is saying, love matters. It's God's love poured on you, but obedience matters. How do we know I'm, I'm remaining in his love? It's by the level of my obedience. But my obedience doesn't give me God's love. Catch that. If I obey, then God does not love me. God loves me. And he invites me to obey. And in my obedience, I experience deeper love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So love has a purpose. It's actually, if you're living in God's love and obeying God and walking in his love, it's the best way to live is what Jesus is saying. My command is this, in case you didn't get it. Love each other as I have loved you. Notice how love went from the Father to the Son, and now we're experiencing it. But love is not about you and me and our personal joy alone. Jesus says, love is outward. Love each other. So the fruit bearing of receiving God's love through Jesus Christ, being given his Holy Spirit, is so that I can be reoriented and I can love you. And that, my friend, is the fruit. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So if you're wondering what love looks like, you just saw it. By the way, Jesus is saying this right before he's going to go to the cross. So he is telling us, and then he's going to show us exactly what love looks like. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. Again, this is about the father's work. The father is active. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. That's my part. I'm active. Fruit that will last. So that whatever each of you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then again, in case we didn't get it, 
This is my command. Love each other. So love from God, the vine, is Jesus. Love shown and demonstrated in Jesus, perfectly given to us the branches so that we bear the fruit of actually loving people like the Father, like the Son, like the Holy Spirit. Not less than, just like them. And so my, my point, and I'm overemphasizing it on purpose, is that both matter. We want to honor God and the work that he's doing in transforming our lives. He, he by far is doing the heavy lifting. Yet, we don't want to deny that some people are frustrated in their following of Jesus because they're so caught up in just this passive faith where just, I love Jesus and I go to church on occasion when it's convenient. And Christianity must not be worth it and it doesn't really work because I tried it. What did you try? I tried it. You tried what Jesus said? Because if you just look at this, you could spend a whole lifetime trying to learn how to love each other and love one another. This is, so there's an active, God is active and I am active in it. So we're to remain, we're to, we're to not just to be passive, but actively involved in receiving God's love, understanding Jesus' love in action, and then walk it out and watch the Holy Spirit of God bear the fruit of God's work. It's working in me and it's working through me. That's where we're headed. And so as we look at these different dimensions of what it means to bear fruit, this is not another list of things you gotta do. Breathe in. Rather, it's multiple facets of the same diamond, which is the work of God in your life. And there are different dimensions. So we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna spur one another to participate actively in allowing God to be God in us so that God is doing his work through us. Are you with me? Okay. Now, let's read one of the passages you're very familiar with. The moment I said fruit of the Spirit, you knew where we were going. So let's just read it. Galatians 5. And we're going to read the long version today. And I'm not even going to go over it. I just want you to see it, though, because in your community groups this week, you're going to be talking about John 15 and Galatians 5, so let's just read it. Paul is reflecting on Jesus, and he's, he's telling the church at this point in the letter that there is a tension. You are a new people because of the good news of Jesus, not because of your rule-keeping. Yet, at the same time, there's going to be a tendency to want to live your own way. In light of God's love, in light of all that he's done, how do I actually live this Christian life? And there's going to be a tension. God wants to do what he wants to do in you, but you're going to want to do what you're going to want to do. And so here it is. You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So here's the remedy. So I say, walk by the Holy Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But 
if you are led by the Holy Spirit, if you remain in the vine, you're not under the law. So what does it mean to live under the law? He keeps going. The acts of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, purity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Oh, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The list just goes on and on. I warn you as I did before. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Holy Spirit, let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Okay, um, we're not, I just wanted to read the whole thing. And over the next eight weeks, we'll unpack this John 15, Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit, and Galatians 5, where Paul, all Paul's doing, you can see the parallels. He's putting in language to a non-Jewish audience what Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus is speaking to a very Jew- Jewish audience, the vine and the branches, and Paul's just taking the same thing and putting it in language that both a Jew and us, non-Jew, we would understand. But he's saying the same thing. Love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control is not a new list. Here's why I know this. They're not the fruits of the Holy Spirit, plural. It's the fruit, singular, of the Holy Spirit. In other words, there is one thing that God's doing and that he's producing the life of Jesus in you. And so we're not talking about a whole new list of nine things I need to add to my already long list of religious do's and don'ts. If we, if we live that way, we're always going to be, always going to be wondering, am I attached to the vine? Am I in? Am I not? Will I make it or not? But what we want to do is remind ourselves of this and write this down if you don't write down anything else. The Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. This is where Jesus' discussion on fruit bearing interacts with what he said in John 14 and John 16, is that we need the ability to be receivers of life from God. And it's the Holy Spirit who's been given to us, who is uniquely enabling you and I to become more like Jesus. The fruit that Jesus is referring to isn't just a bunch of random acts of kindness, like be fruitful, do stuff. Although doing stuff does matter. The fruit, says Jesus, is to become like me. Because Jesus is the vine, his branches, his disciples, will live lives just like Jesus did. So if you follow Jesus, the great goal of your life is before you go to spend eternity with Jesus, is to now live like him. Which is going to require some things. It's going to require an internal change. And that's why Paul talks about there are desires in my 
person, in myself, that are selfish desires, they're not like God's desires. Friends, hear me. Do not simply follow your desires. And we need to hear it again and again and again. And I'll go on a rabbit trail just because rabbits are cool. If you live your life pursuing your desires, what happens when you realize that your desires are ungodly desires? What happens when you realize, but it felt like I should, and I, I, doesn't, everyone else is, and doesn't that look, if you simply follow your passions, your passions will cause you to be destroyed in the end. Because life is from God and for God, and until my desires are in line with his desires, I'm going to be following desires that are going to lead me wayward And so we want to discern our desires and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And that's why Paul says, before he lays out what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in love and joy and peace, he contrasts it by saying, these things are desires. And by the way, everything in those previous desires is fun. Loving other people like Jesus loves them doesn't sound like fun, does it? It's hard. Expressing God's joy when you're in the middle of heartache doesn't sound like fun. But doing what you want and living wildly sounds exciting until you realize where it leaves you. Okay, back to the rabbit trail is over. We'll, we'll pick up on that in a few weeks. Um, what, is, what is Jesus saying and what is Paul saying together? I want you to know something. John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another humbly in love. Jesus' word on fruit bearing and Paul's are parallel in that they both begin with love. And so this week in our community groups, we're going to be talking about what love is. And the question is, like, what is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? I couldn't help a 90s reference. Come on, man. If you know, you know. If not, Google. It will show up fast. Now, Ryan Doucette gave a a great teaching in our Advent series on love. I'm not going to repeat it. I encourage you, go back and watch it. It It was biblical and super helpful on how the Bible and how Jesus defines the love. But I just want to recap what Jesus just told us in John 15. We'll go back to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So here's what I want us to see, is that the template for the relationship between the Father and the Son, the Father loved the Son, and the Son loved the Father by the son hearing his voice and doing what he said. Jesus said, the only things you heard me say, I've heard from my father. The work that I do, I only do what my father is doing. And that is the nature of love. Which means love is more than a feeling or an emotion or a whim. It is about hearing what God says is right and good and true, discerning my own passions, because I often want some right, some true, but really I want what I want. But when I get connected with God's desires and I live in humility and say, God, I want to go with your desires, that template of the Father 
and the Son is now the template for God and us. We can actually live this way. And some of us haven't heard it that clearly. God has invited us into relationship with himself. And so Father loves Son. Son loves the Holy Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son. They're perfectly united doing the work of one God. But our God is relational. And so now, because of Jesus, he has invited us into the relationship within the Trinity, which is mind-blowing. We get to work with the Father, Son, and Spirit to do what God wants on God's green earth. And we're going to know we're in the middle of it by our love. So the evidence that you and I are actually following Jesus is not how often we go to religious meetings. The evidence that I really belong to Jesus, who is the way, is not by how much I give, although generosity is wonderful and good. What I do or I don't do, what I think or I don't think, all of those matter. Remember the tension. There's God actively involved, but I ought to be actively involved. So my response does matter. But to Jesus and to Jesus' disciples, given to us by the Holy Spirit and recorded forever, it's love. So this is where we want to begin. Now, the problem is I don't love like God loves, so how am I going to enter in relationship with God and grow in my fruit bearing, which hear me again, my fruit bearing is that I am loving you like Jesus did. My fruit bearing is that what God would want to do in your world as his son, as his daughter, as his servant, I am now partnering with God to love you like God would love you if he were standing right in front of you. This is the fruit that God wants to produce in our life. And so here's the good news. He's given us the Holy Spirit, so write this down. The Holy Spirit does at least three things, much more, but at least these three. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do what Jesus did, and the Holy Spirit guides us back when we get off track. I will not always do what God wants me to do, but the reason he's given us the Holy Spirit is I never have to wonder what would Jesus do in this moment. I never, now sometimes I do wonder, but I never have to because Jesus is teaching his way, his life has been given to us by the Spirit. I can know exactly what God would do at any moment. But it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to do it. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us to give us the actual ability to live like Jesus did. Now, we're not Jesus, though, right? Maybe you are. I'm not. And this is the beauty. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to pull us back when we get off track. And there are moments, days, weeks, hopefully not years, when I'm not in alignment with God and, and the Holy Spirit has been given to me so that I can actually love as Jesus loved. So love, receiving God's love matters, obedience matter, both matter. Which is why Jesus says in John 15, 11, we'll just continue looking at these verses again, I've told you this so that your joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other 
As I've loved you, and greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, and to Jesus, this is the epitome of what he wants to do. And the reason is he's given us the Spirit is that, that Jesus is self-sacrificing. No one forced him to the cross. He did not have to go. He willingly gave his life out of love for us. And what would it look like if 10 years from now, that one dimension, we're looking at many facets of one diamond. And the diamond is the fruit God wants to pour his life through you. But this dimension really matters. And it's the reason that Jesus says it first and Paul says it first. Until I'm willing to be self-sacrificial for your good, just like Jesus, out of a heart that is not like working an angle or I'm going to love you because I know what you could do for me later. When I really, really love this way, then the other evidences of joy and peace and, and all of those other dimensions of what it means to be like God or Jesus-like are going to come and be seen. But it has to begin with the fundamentals. God his love for you is sacrificial. God loved the world so much that he gave. He sent his son, not just to teach them stuff. The reason Jesus came was to pay our debt in full. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. This is Friends, this is where it all begins. And if I'm Jesus' follower, here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is now living in me and producing in me the reminder of the words and the life of Jesus so I have him in view and the actual power to do what Jesus did if I will remain and allow his love to work through my life. This is good news. So, so Jesus continues, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. A servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, notice the, the close language. I called you friends. Everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Have you ever been blown away by an act of tangible love? Ever been like someone just blew you away? I can go on and on and on. I'll, I'll just give you one I shared here before but when we were first starting and planting the church, things were really challenging on many levels. And things personally for us, although people didn't know, were very financially challenging when we were launching um, the church. And I was sitting in a meeting, and it was about the church with some church leaders. And I got a phone call and picked the phone, and it's from our mechanic. And a major thing went bad in our car. I felt it, knew it. Had it towed there, thought this is going to cost a lot. Turns out, uh, yes, it costs a lot. And I heard that news, and in the middle of me, okay, thank you, thank you. Yep, we're, we got to do it. We need the car. Yeah, let, let's do it. But I was like, oh, I just felt like I got kicked in the gut, you know? Money was flying out the door. I saw it flying away. And so my mind immediately shifts from church and what we need to do in that meeting to, okay, how am I going to make this work? And then at the end of the meeting, a guy just came up to me and just said, hey, man, I, it seems like you got some bad news. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, it, was, it wasn't great. He's like, um, I'm going to take care of it. I'm like, no, man, you know, I did your typical guy thing. 
no, man, it's all good. I knew it wasn't good. And, and, and uh, he's like, no, this is, I, the moment I heard it, I knew this was something I get to do. I was like, oh, wow. And, and sometimes it's hard to receive. When you've had like out of the blue, crazy love, sometimes it's even hard to receive it because you're like, no, I should pay for it because that's just how we're wired. But it was extravagant. It was unnecessary. It was ridiculous. It was, it was generous. And uh, we're still, we were friends before that. We're friends now. And it didn't make the relationship weird, but it helped me to receive uh, some insight on what it feels like when you are just deeply loved by someone else in a way that God would be generous. And, and I want you to know that love... The love that Jesus is talking about for us to grow in is to be sacrificial. It costs this person, this couple, this family a a lot to demonstrate it. We're not related. There's no reason that they would do that. I didn't deserve it in that sense. But yet God's love in them saw the need as part of their need because this was out of love. It wasn't weird. It was it was almost natural. And if I told you their names, you'd say, yeah, that sounds like them. It actually sounds like Jesus. And this couple just happens to be very Christ-like. So how does this Holy Spirit produce then? Because like, I want to be the kind of person, and we ought to make it our goal, to be the kind of people that are listening, listening to God's direction, because there won't be a chapter and a verse on should I pay for that person's car bill? That's not in the text. But love one another and this is love when one lays down one's life for their friends. That's a chapter and verse. So what we get is the Holy Spirit who is the advocate which is the guide. So there are needs, hear me, you're not supposed to meet. <laughs> How's that for good news? Seems like I was waiting for you to say that. There are some needs, some challenges, some issues that don't have your name on it. But there are others that the Holy Spirit, who, who's guiding all things, is prepared you for and inviting you into. And this is what we get to do. We get to grow in what it means to be loved by God, And now demonstrate God's love in practical ways. Now, in my own strength, I can't do this. Like, if this sounds like the bar's too high, well, it is sort of. And that being Jesus-like is a high bar. But this is why he's given us himself. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. No, you're in the family so that you can live like Jesus' family. And so the most natural thing ought to be that the Holy Spirit is guiding and directing you in line with what Jesus said. So the Holy Spirit's never contradicting the teachings of Jesus. We know what Jesus taught. We have the whole counsel of God. When the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding into the way of love, it's going to be in alignment with everything God has said. So we know a lot. This book is thick. And we have the pattern of God for thousands and thousands of years of what God is like in the way he demonstrates love towards people. 
Now, here's the, the, the fact that I'm loved by someone who is a Christian is a good thing, and I'm grateful for it. But what does this say about life with those who are not following Jesus? This is where, again, the vine and branch, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us. A couple of things that I want you to think through. We know we are loved because we have the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, verses 5 through 8. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice, not for the godly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is the kind of love that Jesus wants us to push out towards. It's one thing to have a Christian brother and sister pay for a Christian brother or sister's needs. That's, that just seems like, well, you're in the th same thing together. You ought to help each other out. That is love. Don't minimize that. But the love that Jesus is pushing us towards is his love. While we were still swallowed in our own selfishness and sin, that's when Jesus died. He didn't wait for us to take a step towards him. He took the step of love towards us. What would it now look like for us to move in the direction where we're loving people who are far from God and unlike us? And this is where I want you to talk in your community groups this week. There's a passage you'll read, Acts 10. I'm just going to briefly summarize it. Peter Post the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus ascends, sends out the disciples. Peter is preaching only to Jews. All of the disciples are preaching only to Jews. And then Peter has a vision in Acts 10, and he sees something, a bunch of animals Jews would never eat, and the messenger in this little vision saying, kill and eat. I can't do that. That's not godly. It happens three times because God's trying to get Peter's attention. At the same time, hear this. Cornelius, at the same time, Cornelius, who's a Roman, a soldier, not a Jew like Peter, is having a vision from God saying, invite this person who's going to tell you the good news about my son Jesus. So God's at work with the person who's not yet following Jesus. God's at work in his own follower. Peter finally at the end of the vision realizes, oh wow, God is telling me that God is leading me to go to this person's house that culturally I should not go to. Lifestyle I should not be with. Love is pushing Peter towards crossing barriers so that someone would know the love of Jesus Christ. And here's the cool part at the end of it, and I'll just read the end. While he goes to the house, goes to Cornelius, he starts speaking, and chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised, or the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, and here's a slam, even on Gentiles. They were shocked, even though Jesus had said this would happen. Wow, they get the Holy Spirit for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one could stand in the way of their being baptized with water. 
They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So you order them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. Remember, the, the point of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is that we would continue what Jesus did. I didn't take time because I had to cut. But I was going to list out all the places Jesus would go that right now would get him in trouble. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Jesus would be invited to be pastor in most churches when you think of the people he spent time with. It was almost scandalous. Now, Jesus never sinned, but he had no problem stepping over because that's what love does. So when we say Peter bears the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, that is not touchy-feely, it's not just self-gratification. We're like, oh, love, I, I, I'm, I'm more closer to what God is doing. That, that matters. I'm not downplaying it. But the fruit of love is that Peter is empowered by the Holy Spirit to go to a place he doesn't want to go to speak to people that he doesn't feel comfortable with because God loves them that much. And the fruit bearing, was it God or was it Peter that led to Cornelius and his whole household? And by the way, a whole new movement. That house meeting sparked an entire movement that now there are more non-Jews following Jesus than Jews. And in Peter's lifetime, he saw the transition. By the time Peter goes to be with Jesus, there are more collectively non-Jews following Jesus because the fruit of love. And that love, was it God's love or was it, was it Peter? Was it God's involvement or was it Peter's involvement that led to Cornelius and his household being changed? And that's the tension. Of course it was God. Peter didn't die for their sins. Jesus did. But could it be that it was the fruit bearing of Peter and his being filled with the Spirit so that he could love like Jesus loves, that Cornelius knew with flesh and blood that God loved him. Because one of his followers stepped into his house and spent time with him when many others would not. So the Holy Spirit reminds us what Jesus said, empowers us to do what Jesus did, and then guides us when we get off track. I love that Acts 10 is in there because the probably greatest, most impactful of, of Jesus' immediate followers, which would be Peter. Paul writes a lot. Peter was there with Jesus. We get a record of the Spirit having to get Peter back on track. Because originally, he didn't want to go. Isn't that good? So when I have moments of weakness or failure, I have the Holy Spirit to bring me back on track. Question for you to now talk about in your groups, not this morning. What does it look like for us to take practical steps in loving people out of the overflow of God's great love for us? We're going we're gonna to pause the teaching part. And now we want to invite God to come and move in our, in our life. The worship team is going to come and we want to respond. But, but I want us to think about this now and this week. What what does it look like if the evidence of my Jesus following is an increasing love for my neighbor as myself? 
How do I remain in that? How do I make room for God to pour out his love to me? And if you're here this morning and you feel unloved or you know you've done things that are wrong and and they are wrong, receive the love of God in Jesus Christ. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. So if there's an issue in your own soul, in your life, bring that to God and say, God, you know in my heart I, I did not want to, and yet I did. Or you led me to do this, and I did not. We bring these things to a loving Father who cleanses us from all sin and brings us back into his love and wipes us off and then sends us out. But what would it look like for you as a community group in your eight weeks to push one another in an encouraging way to live lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit, fruit-bearing, and, and lead to loving each other in the group and those outside of your group in more meaningful ways. I think we will see great progress in our discipleship to Jesus if we focus on how we're going to ask God to do this and then we call on one another to encourage one another to see it happen rather than just hearing a message, walking away and saying, wasn't that cute? What would it look like to live this way? Lord, we are desperately needy people, and so we come back to you. We come to you at all times for all things and in all ways because you have all power and all life really comes from you. And so, God, we are convicted in the heart. We are more convinced now of your great love for us in Jesus, and and we are needy for direction on how to grow in experiencing your loving care and showing your loving care to others who, frankly, for whatever reason, we'd rather not be around. And so, Holy Spirit, because you lead us and guide us into all truth, we invite you to expose the lies that we have believed, lies about other people, lies about ourselves, so that we can more freely walk in your love and demonstrate it to people that you love more than we'll ever know. Lord, as we worship you because you're worthy, as we go in a few minutes to the bread and the cup and we eat and drink, remember your your practical love for us, demonstrated in your sacrificial death and in your resurrection. Lord, transform us, not just in the mind, but also in the way we live, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and we're going to respond with singing and we'll be guided to the tables in just a few moments.